Bench Mob episode 25. Got Pat Jameson on the show today. Yo. I'm good, man. Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Just, you know, taking your day by day, you know, with this virus and just trying to, just, you know, get better each and every day. How 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 is quarantine like treating you? Oh, at first it was terrible, but I kind of got the hang of things. Uh, at least, you know, I have some family in PA, so they let me stay there sometimes. The gyms are open down there, like the basketball gyms, because I know in New Jersey, they got the fitness centers open, but they moved the equipment to the basketball court, so... I'm still out there at PA most of the time. All right, so you did, like, weekly? You go over there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's only an hour drive, so sometimes, like, I just drove back home today. But, yeah. I mean, my, my uncle lives down there, so he lets me stay whenever. So that's cool to have. Now, you, you just mentioned it. Um, you're going to PA to get working. Yeah. Where, where does your work ethic come from? Uh, honestly, it's a passion. It's it's a love for the game. I mean, like, like I love this game ever since I was a baby. Uh, my whole family, like, we love basketball. Like, my family, they always been diehard basketball fans. And what really taught me my love was, when, you know, quarantine. There was a time where all the gyms were closed, and they even removed the rims of the park. So there was, like, there was, like, three or four days where I had no basketball at all. And, like, mm -hmm. I was going crazy. So, uh... That really taught me, like, I can't, yo, I can't live without this game. Like, I literally had to, like, beg my parents. Like, I got to borrow money from them just for them to buy me a hoop in my backyard. And I had to do that for, like, two and a half months. And that was just, like, keep me sane. Because if I had had that, I was, I was going to go crazy. So. Yeah, I saw driving by. You got the, the hoop in the backyard now, getting shots in, getting in. However, yep. which way you could get it possible. I know exactly. one of the things that a lot of people know about Pat Jameson is he could shoot the lights out. You mm -hmm. got voted as, like, the best shooter when you was in high school uh, in Jersey. Where, you know, what did you do to get your jump shot so prolific? I mean, now I have a lot of time. So now I get, like, a 1,000 three-pointers made every day. Aside from that, I do, like, other shooting drills. But even back then, like, I know back, like, middle schoolers and high schoolers, it's very time-consuming. So even back then, I would still shoot, like, at least 500 every day. But um, I think the main key about shooting is just being consistent and shooting, you know, as much as you can. You know, the more times you do it, the more effortless it becomes. And just working on different footworks, different moves, like, like you got to be uncomfortable. You got to make the uncomfortable comfortable, and that's mm. how you press. So just doing, like, say you could, have, you could be comfortable curling, but you could be uncomfortable with the one-two step. So you want to practice both. So if you if you make both comfortable, that makes your shot like a lot better. You know what I mean? Right? There's yeah. certain moves. Like, like before, I used to like really hate going from like behind the back intense shot, but like recently, I've been working on that a lot. And, like that helps my shot like a lot, just by just doing that uncomfortable repetition and trying to make it comfortable. So you basically you just making sure that you're able to get your shot off in multiple ways, and that's how you keep exactly. working. On Exactly, yeah. Um, where'd you, like, for most people, obviously, you know, in the generation we live in now, everybody wants to start shooting from half court, like Steph. Um, where did you start? How did you get 
to be able to stretch your range per per se? Well, my brother, Dan, we always did like form shooting ever since I was younger. Like he'd start me from, from right under the basket and start form shooting and we make our way back. And as we just got comfortable, we would just keep going back and back. So like, and I, building strength, honestly, the weight room helped a lot in terms of range. Ever since I got stronger, it becomes more effortless. But you got to do both. Like I know a lot of people say, there's a lot of weightlifters that say, oh, uh, they can't shoot now because they, they started lifting, but that's because they didn't shoot. You got to do both. Once you do both, it's like, it's a crazy feeling. Like, it just becomes so much easier. So it's, it's a lot easier to, like, control control that shot and just shoot from range. So the the stigma and the saying that, oh, if you lift weights, you can't really shoot afterwards is, are you trying to say on live it's false? It, it is false. Like, I mean, if you go directly from a lift, obviously you'll feel kind of sore. Mm-hmm. But if, if you get used to that, like in college, we used to do that. We used to have weight room sessions before our practice. And like at first it would affect me, but as I got used to it, it's like, it doesn't affect you anymore. Like if anything, it and it kind of warmed you up in a way. Like I felt better after I started lifting. So, yeah. I think that's interesting for those out there that believe they can't lift before shooting. Uh, it's just really just putting the, the time in your body, get used to it. You, you exactly. get your body adjust to, adjust to what you want to do. Uh, you mentioned college, right? So I know you was at uh, most recently NGI, NJIT. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened in regards of playing at NJIT? Are you still there? Um, how's that? Yeah. Going? I, I was a preferred walk on there for two years. Um, it was, it was a, good experience I mean it was always my dream to play division one basketball and it was a big blessing to, to achieve that dream uh however it did have you know its ups and downs uh throughout my whole like life and career I was used to always you know starting you know scoring being like a key player and just just being in the whole other end it was like a whole different I guess experience and um it, it was hard mentally honestly but um yeah, I was, I was not used to that bench, but I mean, I did as much as I could to persevere and just kind of just look at it. It's still a blessing either way, you know, mm-hmm. to be at the level. Um, but at the same time, it was not it was not easy. But what eventually happened was around this time last year, I think mid mid October, like October fourteenth, literally like five days after our media day, I get called into uh, compliance office saying I'm ineligible because I played a Filipino league. Like, I was playing in a whole bunch of Filipino tournaments uh, last summer because mm-hmm. they were unsanctioned events. Um, yeah, they said uh, I was ineligible. And if they had kept me on the team, the NJIT would have a postseason ban. So they decided, yeah, they decided they had to let me go. So, I mean, right now, I'm still finishing my education. I go to um, Thomas Edison State. It's an online school. But I have only 16 more credits, and I'll, I'll get my degree. What's your degree in? Communications. What do you plan to use uh, communications with? Well, after basketball, I hope to one day coach at the high school level. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of high school coaches, they're either like teachers, like gym teachers, or they could work. A lot of them are English teachers. I know my head coach, Coach Tynes, he worked in ISS. So just work somewhere within a high school so I could coach, you know. That's gotcha. I do. Get your, get your foot in the door some way, somehow. Exactly, yeah. Um. So what is, like, your current goal right now? I'm going to read to you one of your uh, captions on your post. NBA, PBA, G League, or Euro League. I'm just trying to make this my profession. 
Exactly. What's the, what's the goal now? So, I mean, right now, I'm just trying to get better each and every day, uh, skill-wise, athleticism-wise, strength-wise. That's all I could do now, especially with this virus. I mean, there's no – the PBA, they just got a bubble to resume last year. So they're still playing the 19-20 year, and they will start that, I think, next week, and that will go next three months. And hopefully if, if it goes well and no one catches any cases, they could have a new season for next year. And right now I'm just – I got to stay ready. Uh, I have an agent based in Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. And um, if all goes well and, um, and this whole bubble thing works out, I could probably realistically be there by like January, February. And they have a whole draft process out there because I'm counted as a local rather than an import. Locals go through, they go through a draft combined. They go through pre-draft workouts. They have a whole PBA draft. So, you know, if all goes well, I could st probably start that process by, like, January. That's dope. So, January, yeah. February, to be over there playing professional, which is your goal, obviously, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, the caption PBA. Um, do you mm -hmm. plan, you know, is it, like, an ultimate goal to parlay that into coming back to the States or being that you from the area, you're going to be comfortable over there? You know, my trainer, Richard, he did mention, you know, if you if you kill out there, you never know what could happen. You know, you see a lot of guys, you know, start overseas and, and they progress and they jump up, you know. So, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I want to mm -hmm. first focus on a PBA first and we'll see how that goes. And, you know, I'll work my hardest and, you know, I'll, you already know I'll be on, on my grind out there. So we'll see what happens, you know. Yeah, I already – you one of the hardest working people I know, so I'm I put yeah. my money on that. Whether it's a year, yeah. two years, it'll you'll be doing what you need to do out there. So I put my money on that. Um, yeah. In your process, like so, you mentioned um, Rich, your trainer. Uh, I'm I know you've done work with a lot of different trainers, and you mentioned your brother. I was there when your brother was starting off helping mm -hmm. you out um who do you credit for your growth and maturation um of your game so far um well me and rich we've been working out since i was like early in my seventh grade year i met him at the jcc and honestly he's probably responsible not just me maturing as a basketball player but you know just as a man in general like he's someone i could i could just call or reach out to if i have any questions about anything whether it's bad, whatever, whether it's on court, and he's always been there through all the good and bad times. So I think, yeah, Rich, he, and he'll be brutally, he'll be brutally honest with you. A lot of trainers out here, they'll like, I don't know how to say it. Like they'll give the, which is good. They'll give their players confidence, which obviously you should do that. But they'll like, they won't be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're if you're doing something bad, they won't, they won't say it. But wow, Rich, Rich. Rich will call you out. You Which out. keeps it a stat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he even there was a lot of times where he hurt. He, he did hurt my feelings, but it was for my own good. Like I had to hear that. So I think he's the most responsible for me maturing as a basketball player and as a as a man in general. True. I, I, Rich is the real deal. A lot of people like they see him now on IG. I'm like, yo, Rich been doing this, bro. Rich. Yeah. Is the Rich the truth. Uh, shout out to Greg. Uh, I, you know Greg. He said uh, you've been a killer since you was a kid. So shout out to Greg. I don't know who yeah. Cash underscore Suds is. He called you. Uh, yeah, that's he fam. Oh, uh, he called you goat. So uh, 
Yeah. Have to shout out those people. Thank you for tuning in to Bench Mile Podcast. Um, who has been some of the toughest players that you had to score against? Like, who's gave you the most fits in uh, your experience so far? We're talking about just, like, open gyms. Vritch was a crazy defender. Um, I don't know if you've seen him play defense, but he played – I call him the biggest hack ever. He just hacked. But, no, nah, he played he plays legit defense, like – I mean, that's the reason why he, he played Division One basketball himself, and it's because of his grit and his defense. You know, that's his main thing. Um, so, yeah, I would say the toughest defender I ever matched up was, was Rich. Who's been some of your, um, like, dopest teammates you've had? I've had a lot. Um, on the top of my head, I could think of TJ Gibbs. We played at Seton Hall Prep together. Jeremiah Moore, we were a great duo back at Western Orange High School. Um, who else was there? My AAU team in the Roadrunners, I had Ja'Kai, Sim- Ja'Kai Simmons and Everson Davis. Those are other two guys that I think Everson played at Binghamton and Ja'Kai played another school, a Division One school in Texas. So they were real good teammates. And, yeah, I, I learned a lot from them in, in my time playing for those for those teams. And, you know, they were great players to, to be teammates with. You mentioned the Roadrunners, um, which is a, a well-known AAU team. Mm-hmm. You might be able to say around the, the country. What were some of your best experiences uh, playing for the Roadrunners? Well, being with Coach Sandy, you know, he coached – I think he, he always brags about this. He coached like 39 NBA players, uh, most notable Kyrie Irving. Uh, but there's a lot. There's like Randy Foy. Al uh, Al- yeah. yeah, so just being around that whole environment. He has a little gym like in Union and – those those pickup games get intense. Like there's a lot of talent down there, so I think just that whole competitive edge and that whole like, obviously Sandy he preaches his work ethic is crazy. Like he'll play, he'll play a pickup game to a hundred in like a real hot gym too. So you get your reps in, and that's a lot of conditioning too. So that that definitely that was eye opening. I remember playing for them and just playing games to a hundred and practice will last like so long, but. It was good though, and the competition was great. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know Sandy still does that. One of my uh, boys, Austin, works with him, and we went over there one time, and he's still doing full to court to a hundred. It could be two, two on two, full court to a hundred. Same yep. thing always. Um, but anybody, you feel me? Um, you grown up? You mentioned West Orange and West Orange basketball, JCC. Uh, that's Going back, one of the players that you played that played for the Road Runners for Sandy was um, Kyrie. I mm-hmm. remember you played him with JCC a couple of times. He came through to visit. Um, mm-hmm. Being from West Orange, one of, I know, growing up, that was one of your favorite players. What are your thoughts on some of his comments regarding, you know, yeah. this is best. This is first time in his career. He could look down and see somebody going to knock down that shot. Mm-hmm. You agree? You think it went too far? What's your thoughts on Kyrie's comments? I mean, in my opinion, KD, he is one of the best scorers to ever play in the NBA. So I can't really I can't really say anything about that. I mean, that comment was kind of just because he did have – I mean, he had LeBron on his team before. Uh, but that's a little too much to say, I think. That, that would make the fans – the fans went crazy after he said that. Um, but what, the comment that really was – I love Kyrie, but just the fact that it was just so arrogant that he said he didn't need a head coach. You know, I think that's that's wrong, especially they just hired Steve Nash. 
And I think you know, I, you're not really supposed to say you know things like that in the public. However, I do respect the fact that you know he speaks freely. Kyrie always speaks freely, and he doesn't really care what what anybody else thinks. But I think he should just he should just think more before he says. You know, I think he just opens his mouth and he just he just he just says things that's on his mind without yeah without thinking. I I appreciate his candidness also of just uh-huh. speaking freely. Um, he did mention, like, it was a two-hour podcast. He did mention in it that he is impulsive, so I think this was probably one of his impulsive moments. Yeah. Hey, it's his truth, though. That's how he felt. That's what he, he really believes in his heart of the hearts. Shout yeah. out to him. Um, yeah. I kind of wish it would be one time where it's an athlete that just stands by it, like, when people get mad. Yeah, I meant it. Yeah, no, I was, talk- I was talking about this player, but yeah. I know that's kind of that's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody on your back. Um you mentioned his comment about coaching. Who's been, if you had to, you know, off the top of your head, who's been some of their your best coaches? My best coaches. Um trainers don't count, right? Nah, just coaches. Uh probably Sandy is up there. Sandy helped me a lot. Uh who else helped me a lot? Probably, I mean, my high school coach, Greg Tynes, he did give me a great opportunity over at West Orange. Uh, he welcomed me. I transferred there my junior year. And, you know, he welcomed me with open arms right away. And so I, I always, like, appreciate that. You know, coming in as a, as a junior transfer, is not always easy to kind of give a kid, you know, you know, a home like that. So I'll, I'll always appreciate him for that. Greg said training. Trainers need love too. We we gonna show love to the trainers. I'm yeah. just asking specifically for the coaches. Um, yeah. We already mentioned, you know, like uh, Rich. Who were some your brother? Who were some other people that you would say that you got working with that were some good trainers? Yeah, some good trainers. Uh, Robbie. I don't know if you know Robbie Lefkowitz. He played over at Livingston. He was good. I I worked out with Delson before. Um, I think. Those are probably the two I could think of at the top of my head. But, I mean, I think I think every trainer, you know, every trainer has their own specialty, you know. So, I think working out with different trainers can kind of give you a different, a different feel for the workout. Because, like, a lot of them have different strengths. So, I think Rich is more like his ball handling is crazy. You'll, you'll get great ball handling. Um, he also teaches a lot of great footworks. You know, while someone like like Delson, he does a lot of conditioning. Like, you'll do ball handling for a long time, and you'll get a crazy, like, great conditioning and ball handling workout. So I think if you compare those two, like, Rich, you'll, you'll learn more. You'll learn more, like, fundamental stuff. While with Delson, you'll get, like, a really good, like, conditioning ball handling workout. So every mm-hmm. training is a whole, like, thing, you know. In your opinion, as somebody that, you know, is very talented, very skilled. What mm-hmm. makes a workout good for you? Um, I think getting reps that you'll get in the game. So what me and Rich do a lot, especially back in high school when I played West Orange, we'll 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 take like a play that where I knew I was gonna get this particular shot in this particular play and we do that multiple times. So when it happened in the game it would just be so natural. So, like, for example, I, I remember there was a, a certain play. We called it, like, UCLA. There would be, like, a UCLA cut. I'd set a screen at the baseline. And then once I set that screen, there would be a down screen for me to pop up to the three. And we practiced that all the time. And Because I knew in a game I'd get that shot. 
So we practiced multiple times. So when it came to game, like it was just, it was just secondhand nature, you know. So, so the biggest thing for you is game time reps, game time speed, and that's yeah. a that's a good workout for you. That is, yeah. I also believe in obviously before you do game speed, obviously the form shooting is important. Um, I, I like doing a lot of stationary shooting first, and then eventually going to the game speed. So I think if you mix both in, like that form shooting, stationary shooting, then you go into game stuff. I think that's that's a great workout. That's good. We're gonna transition into with the quickness segment. Mm -hmm. What's up, uh, Will? We you you know Will? Will Blackshear dancing, three point shooting, prime <laughs> wavy. What's up, Will? Um, transition. You know the with the quickness segment. I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. You just gotta answer <laughs> it quick. Whatever first thing that comes to your mind. All right. All right. Steph or Kyrie. Steph. Favorite meal slash food? Dolly B. It's Filipino fried chicken. I still got to try that out. You never tried it? You heard of it? I've heard of it. I've seen you and your brother eat it. I've mm -hmm. never tried it. Shout nah, out to your a... brother, though. He, re he really be on his food stuff. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get like him. Yep. Um, top five shooters all time? Uh, Steph, uh, Clay, Ray Allen, Dame and Reggie Miller. Ooh, that's a that's a nice five right there. Can't argue with that one. Mm -hmm. Top five ball handlers of all time. Kyrie, Jamal Crawford, Allen Iverson, CP3, and I'll put Steph fifth. Steph fifth. All right. Last one. Now I I know you latch onto both of these models. Which one, if you had to choose one? Mama mentality or Isaiah Thomas's slow grind? Yeah, yo, that's a hard one. Like I use both, like in my everyday life. Oh man, that's real hard. Cause mama mentality, it's like, it's like bettering yourself while slow grind is like never giving up in this whole marathon, you know. So if I had to pick one, I think what more applies to myself is slow grind because. Just my whole life as a whole, it's just, you know, it's about perseverance, never giving up. I've been through a lot of roadblocks, but I try my best to just keep going. So I think the slow grind applies way more to my life in general. You know, everybody thinks different. You know, everybody has a different experience. I just think my in general relates more to slow grind. As you just mentioned, just a uh, quick one real quick. Being an undersized guard, how do you, you deal with these roadblocks and the doubt and the naysayers that, hey, you're not 6'6", six, six, you can't play pro. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so, I mean, me being five foot nine, 160, I automatically, you know, fail the eye test. You know, the eye test is when a coach first looks at you, when you first walk into the gym, uh, does he think this player is capable of, of playing at, at a high level? And me being my size, you know, I automatically fail that. So what I have to do, or what any small guard has to do, is they can't just be just as good as, you know, the average player on the team. They have to be almost twice as good as each player. You have to do something something special, whether it's being uh, a great shooter or a great ball handler or having a great IQ. You know, you have to just – you have to stand out in some way, especially when, when you lack size and you lack the strength. You have to just stand out through skill or IQ. I'll say it. You may not agree – I think you probably agree you might not say it any mm -hmm. guards any players under six feet are actually more talented i feel than the people that are have the height 
they got to put in, as you just said, two times the work. So they got to be that much skilled times two. So shout out to all the guards under six feet, Smurf gang. We out here. You feel me? Smurf gang. Uh, get you out of here. Exactly. We get you out of here with, with this. I hate what when people talk trash. That's why I don't like when people talk trash about like Isaiah Thomas. Like, yo, he's 5'9", the NBA. Like, what more do you want from this guy? Like, Exactly. Shout out to IT. He he just said, you know, his uh, surgeries is good. He's back to himself. I can't wait to see IT back on the court. Yeah. But can't wait to yeah. Get you out of here with this one. The Heat, they able to pull out that one game. Jimmy Butler went crazy, 40-point, triple-double. Who you got winning the series? Are the Heat going to come back? It's one game. I just think just because uh, of the loss of Dragic and Adebayo, I don't realistically. I, I don't think it's possible for the Heat to win. So I think I'll give it to the Lakers. I think LeBron's going to get his fourth. Lakers in five. I'll probably give Heat one more. I'll say Lakers in six. Lakers in six. Right, that's my. Yep. All right. What's up, D? Um. Yo, thank you. Appreciate you for hopping on. This is another installment, another episode of the Benchmark Podcast. Um. We wish nothing but great future endeavors for you. I already know it's going to be happening. Um, this will be dope. Once you make it pro, we can look back and like, yeah, we was able to, we interviewed Pat. Mm-hmm. Episode 25, we interviewed Pat Jamison. So, again, I appreciate thank you for taking time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking time out your busy schedule. But uh, Bench Mob, we out. Peace. No doubt. Thank you for having me, Antonio. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Love you, bro. Yep, take care.